What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? What needs to change? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore all these questions and more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, onto the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Damn Business podcast. I'm so pleased today to be joined by Pete Senna. Pete is a fellow nutmeg stater. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, Connecticut, and that is a home for Pete. Pete, thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. Pete is the co-founder of Think Forward and also the founder of Digital Surgeons. Uh, Pete, safe to say that serial entrepreneur, is that a good, uh, good tagline for you? Yes, I have started and accelerated a lot of businesses in my career, for sure. That's, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's give you a chance just to introduce yourself, and then we'll dive in a little bit to hear more about your story and the journey that, uh, that the road has taken you on. So, Pete, just give us a little background about you and, and what you're working on right now. For sure. That sounds great, Scott. Well, first, I, I always like to tell people, this is the, the part of the show where I tell people why you should listen to me. That's great. <laughs> Which is, so I started out... Um, really introverted kid, was super into design and technology, been writing code since I was a little kid, and um, why you should listen to me. So I went on to be the first kid in my, in my, went on to be the first kid in my family to go to college, graduate college. Um, I'm the first entrepreneur in my family, um, went on and built a eight-figure business that I started in my college dorm room, wow. and from there went on to start a number of other businesses. So, you know, again, my experience might not be your experience. We all have different experiences, but what I can share is just the path I've been on, the wins, the losses, and at the end of the day, the reason I show up to places like this, Scott, and for you and for the audience listening to this now in the future is I've got this deep-seated belief that creativity and curiosity are broken. I think that they're broken in the world. I think they're broken in a lot of people's lives. And I believe that when we lead more creative and curious lives, we have more joy, we have more fulfillment, we're happier as a society, as a, as a person. So for me, I'm just trying to spread that with folks. I'm trying to kind of share what I can share to hopefully be the mentor that I needed when I was 19 years old, when I was just first getting started. So uh, good to be here. That's just a little bit about That's me um, yeah. in sort of a fast snippet. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear it. And I think there's two threads there that I want to pull on a little bit. Let's just, let's just first talk about the, the college experience. So you started something in school. It's always interesting to me, you know, what was the impetus behind that, right? Like there's, you know, an idea sparked. Um, was it something that you'd had for a while or all of a sudden one day is like, oh, I, I could, I could do this. So give me a little background of, of getting something started in your college dorm room. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'll give you the no BS story Absolutely. of just how it really happened, yeah. because I think that um, I'm in marketing. So as marketers, sometimes we love to stretch a story and I'm just going to give you the raw, no BS story. So I'm a student of the internet. I like building and making cool shit. Um, the first time I was, uh, learned about this internet language when I was messing around on MySpace for, you know, for, for the, for us old guys here that know what that is. Right. <laughs> right. And I realized that I could type some commands and some keywords into a computer and I could change the way a web page looked. And I could change the way that programs were made. And I can write code to do things, apps, experiences, games, whatever. And that's where sort of the world changed for me. And at, to answer your question as to like why in the college dorm room, yeah. well, I was working at a sports marketing company, a really big company that was based here in Connecticut. 
that may or may not have a TV show and be owned by Disney. Yeah. And um, at the time, I really quickly realized just how much corporations tend to label people. Mm-hmm. And I believe that labels limit us. Yeah. And at that time, one of the labels was, are you going to be a designer or a creative? Or are you going to be an engineer or a programmer, right? right. And I didn't want to just be labeled one thing. I, I don't believe in or, I believe in and. And it was at that time where I had this deep belief where I just wanted to make cool shit for the internet. Yeah. And I think still to this day, you know, 20 plus years later, I still make and want to make cool shit for the internet. Um, and certainly what is the internet has certainly changed. That's a little bit of a meta conversation, right? <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Web3 I stuff. think it's for a different show. <laughs> yeah, for a different show, for sure. But so that's sort of how it all began. Right. And, you know, while a lot of my college friends and roommates and whatnot, they were, you know, out partying and, you know, chasing uh, significant others and, and drinking and long drinking nights, I was in my dorm room and I was writing code and I was... Um, at the time started to do a lot of freelance work and, you know, my side hustle, which is a very popular term, my side hustle was making web, web pages for people, making sites and apps and those kinds of things. I, I built a thing at, at UConn on my campus, which we called Husky Nights, which was basically like our version of a Facebook before Facebook existed. Okay. Um, and it blew up, it blew up really quick. Like it was basically, I was running out of our local server, um, which was like next to me in my dorm room <laughs> and figured out a way to like get around the network police. Um, and basically had friends uploading photos of people at parties and people loved it and it went crazy. And, you know, while I didn't have the fortitude to go build with someone like Zuck built, right. that's where I knew that I could, I could take an idea to execution and put it on the internet and some cool stuff started to happen. So that's really where yeah. I didn't know it then, but that's where digital surgeons was born. Okay. It just, at the time was just like me getting some extra dollars on the side while putting myself through school yeah. and that sort of thing. And then one thing led to another, and I was sort of at this impasse at the, at the then job, which was probably going to be the logical thing I did after college, was stay at this corporation and kind of work my way up the ladder. And I realized that I was at that fork in the road, and I could do this or I could do that. Right. And Scott, that's really the point where I decided that I wasn't going to be an or person, I was going to be an and person. And uh, through a kind of turn of fate, which was actually a positive turn of fate. Someone that I really respected that I was working with there told me I could sign a form and that form would enable me to become a vendor. I was like, well, what's a vendor, right? (laughs) You know, what's a 1099 or W9? I had no idea. Right. And when that moment happened, a lot of other pathways and doors opened up from there. So that's a little bit of a snippet. Yeah. Happy to go deeper if it's helpful for you. I think it's, it's interesting to me as you you go through that. So I think I, I can't say this because I've not done a study on it there, but there's a lot of folks that are coming out of school saying, okay, am I going to go get this job so I get a salary or I have this idea and burgeoning it? And, and I've, that, that fork in the road is, is, is shared with, you know, that you had by, by many others. Was there something prior to college that you observed successful entrepreneurs in your family, friends, neighborhood? Was there something there that, that, uh, that allowed you to favor that way? Or was it something really intrinsic that you just had it and it was part of who you were, not really what you had observed? So it definitely wasn't something I observed. Um, Nobody in my family or friend groups was an entrepreneur. I think for me, I kind of had these dreams of grandeur to go out West. You know, when I first started learning how to write code, it was because I I thought I wanted to do special effects for movies or or be a video game programmer. And it was in doing that where I started to come across kind of tech, right? And that's where like, you know, the, the Apple rebel movement was around, you know, I had a Mac and a PC, I had a Unix, you know, Linux system. So I obviously got exposed to people like Bill Gates and sort of like the way that they kind of took over the cultural zeitgeist, right. With, you know, windows and Bill Gates or Mac and Steve jobs. So I just sort of saw these really smart 
tech savvy people. And it was like a different world for me. Yeah. And growing up here on the East coast in Connecticut, you know, we're not really known for like super crazy tech or any of the stuff that I mentioned earlier. So for me, it was like, I wanted to blaze a trail that was different from the one I saw in front of me, you know, that was not just a standard corporate that's really popular today, but 20 years ago, it wasn't sure. popular yeah. 20 years ago, you know, yeah. people jumped in and they worked their way up the, the corporate ladder. Yeah. So I think it was just like being young and immature and, and not having, you know, not having a mortgage or a family or those things at that time. And also I think it was just, I've always been a little bit of a rebel, right? When people would tell me, this is how you should study this book in this order. I never really learned that way. And I didn't know it then, but, you know, I discovered later in life that I've got ADHD and I've got a lot of different eclectic interests and I learn differently than other people. And it was sort of that period of self-discovery, that coming of age that is typically portrayed in really bad Netflix movies that kind of got me <laughs> thinking about like, Hey, like, what is this, you know, yeah. where, where could this go? And, you know, I think that that's ultimately what set me off on that path. And right. I would just say that like having really supportive friends and a really supportive family that was like, Hey, do what's going to make you happy was something that my mom always said to me. I'm really grateful for that because yeah, you know, I followed that path. And, yeah. you know, unlike some of my other friends who their parents said, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go be an accountant. And many of them are doing that today and they're pretty miserable people. So, um, that's, that's what grew yeah, that, that's great. So, let, let me just take that little four because obviously that that was the beginnings of it. You mentioned you got the your your business too. To, to, to uh, I think you said eight figure business. So let's let's just talk about that a little bit. That doesn't happen overnight, and and we, you know we both are familiar. I obviously working with companies to implement EOS. You have already mentioned to me that you you've got that as as part of your the backdrop. We know that those things don't happen in a straight line, right? No growth is linear. Um, for, for any organization, but particular for entrepreneurs getting things started and, and trying to get through that. So, you know, maybe share with me one or two moments early on as you're, as you're building that business where there was like, you mentioned fork in the road, I call them, oh shit moments. You pick your favorite term, but it's like, okay, like what, what am I doing here? And is this going to go anywhere beyond what I've got in my own head? Uh, can you point to a couple of moments there that were really determining factors in that, where you got to that next stage of growth? Yeah. So like any three act story, I think of like the beginning, the middle and the end are okay. typically the ones that show, show yeah. up the most. So for me, like it felt really real when I had hired a couple people yeah, and they had stepped away from real jobs and some of them had families. So now here I was this kind of punk young kid that didn't know, you know, left from right. And can I ask how I young were you did that? The first employees that came on what, what age was that? So, I mean, technically my first employee, I was probably 18 or 19 years old. So, so really when um, you're in that dorm room, you started to, to figure it out. I, I yeah. need some help, right? My, I need to I need to delegate first, some of this work. I need, I need some more hands to do what I can't do or to, to do the things that I'm not getting to. Yeah. And it's funny, like language is how we experience the world, but I didn't know what that word delegate sure. meant. I had yeah. never yeah. heard it. I had never read a business book. I didn't go to business school. Um, and for me, like my first hire was like a childhood friend that I trusted, right? Like we, we, we hire those that we know, like, Absolutely. and trust. And, and I had to write all this code and I had to hit these deadlines and I didn't have enough time to hit the deadlines. So I'm like, okay, the only way to hit a six week deadline in four weeks, you know, some people say you can't make a baby in less than nine months and they would be right. But when you're young and dumb, you like ambitious challenges, right? And someone gave me a deadline that they said wasn't possible. 
I went to one of my buddies who, you know, we, we were in computer science courses together and, right. you know, in like in high school and I knew he was a really good coder and a really talented guy. And I was like, Hey, you want to make this happen? And it started out as like summer thing. And then it turned into a full-time thing. And, nice. you know, we ended up doing some magic together. So I think to answer your question, that wasn't the moment that it got real, real for me. Okay. Cause it was like, we were just like friends and like, he kind of joined, there was no like benefits where it got real, real was when me and my co-founder actually teamed up who I ran the business as a like solopreneur for a couple of years. Okay. And, um, I got to a point as a solopreneur where I had zero sales ability. I had zero marketing ability. I was just a really good coder and designer. Okay. Um, and I say that with, you know, just confidence, but not cockiness well, and, and experience and, and right. Per output and performance. Yeah. Right? So you've achieved yeah, some stuff. For sure. So I mean, cool. like <laughs> I, I knew I could make cool shit. Absolutely. Right? And, yeah. and, and that was just, that was fact by others, not by me. Right. So I met my co-founder. Um, we had this, uh, his name's David Salinas and we had this conversation and we're like, all right, we'll try out this partnership thing for a couple months. If it doesn't work out. We go our separate ways. If it does work out, you know, we go all in on this thing together. And, you know, so I had already had the business, the name Digital Surgeons. I was doing it for a couple of years. And really, I'd say, like, we look at, like, the birth of Digital Surgeons was when we came together. Because that's where it went from, like, a solopreneur kind of a hobby idea to, like, we're going to build a digital agency. Yeah. And we had a vision where we're going to take this thing, right? And at the time, that was a really avant-garde thing. There weren't a lot of digital agencies out there, right? Um, everyone was more traditional. We were much more digital. And really what that led to was that awakening moment that I call, right? That awakening moment was like, we just hired a bunch of people. Um, he had been working at another company. Um, he came over, he brought this team with him and that was the oh shit moment, right? Yeah. When I'm looking at the payroll account and I'm in QuickBooks and I'm like, we don't have enough money to pay these people on the next payroll period. And I have a, like yeah. no savings. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean I've, been, got, I've had that know, feeling. So I know of what you speak. It's you're looking around going, well, got to pay people first, but oh my goodness, how is that going to happen here? That's due. And it's harrowing, right? Oh, because it's, yeah. it's not a matter of not paying yourself. Like, I was already not paying myself. Yeah. Right? You know, I was living with my parents at the time. I was, you know, like young and broke. And yep. ultimately that moment, I, I remember specifically, we talk about this story. We've had... Um, we've had this conversation before he and I, we've talked about it on our podcast where it's like, I remember like literally going and like, I was so sick. I was throwing up in the bathroom oh. because we're like, we're not going to make this. These people just walked away from, from making a living to come join us. Like we're complete failures. We're like, we're going to like just do all this stuff. Like I didn't, I didn't know where we're going to get the money from. There's no banks. We're going to give us money. Like we were whatever. Yep. And he's like, no, you just got to believe. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. And it's funny. 20 years later, one of our core values is simply believe. Right. And we didn't know it then, but that, that actually, that belief system, I think, originated from moments like that. And I think energy is a powerful thing, right? We can manifest the reality we want. So he said, simply believe. And then that day we, you know, we closed a pretty big account. You know, he closed a pretty big account because at the time he was like the rainmaker. He was pretty much yeah, the rainmaker. I was going to wonder, yeah, what was his uh, unique ability or his superpower he's bringing to this equation, right? You had the, the technical expertise and, and the creative side of things. I, I assume he brought a nice complimentary piece to you when you guys decided to. A hundred percent. Yeah. In, in the early days, you know, I think we rubbed off on each other quite a bit over the years and developed different skills. But in the beginning, like he was sort of like, we used to call him Dave the Closer. <laughs> Dave the Closer because it was like he could pretty much sell water to a well yeah. and just had this ability, this charisma to be able to connect with people on a human level. And I think it's one of his biggest, greatest gifts still to this day, 20 years later, he's got a lot of other skill sets, but, but, you know, he knew SEO and, you know, media strategy and all that. And yeah. he had lots of skills, but his core skill that I think he brought to the partnership was the ability to 
turn conversation to dollars, right? You know, he turned, we, I always say like, I turned clicks to cash. Yeah. He would turn conversations to cash, right? And that was his magic yeah. um, among other things. And also I would say his other magic was he made me believe that I could achieve things that I didn't believe I could achieve myself. And that was, I think where I got a taste of like what motivation smells and feels like. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of being a, an introverted, shy kid, not having a ton of confidence growing up, like I needed that kick in the ass. And I think he was definitely that kick in the ass in the early days. So I give him a lot of credit for that. So in that moment, we, we sort of kind of saved the company from destruction. <laughs> right. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of those roller coaster moments. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we talk with entrepreneurs about their journeys, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Growth never happens in a straight line. How do business owners overcome those moments when they hit a ceiling, feel stuck, and are trying to work through it? Are they spending their time working on their business or in their business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur and grow your damn business. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. But that's, that was the moment where it got real yeah, for me. That's, that, you know, that that, was where that's a real story. I, really I, I, I to- totally get it. And uh, was there ever a moment, yeah, so you made it through that one. Did you guys ever get to a place where, you know, is this going to, are we going to be able to make, keep this going, right? So you did get that one big account. Did you ever get to another spot? It's like, keep the doors open, close the doors, because I've had one of those. That's no fun, right? It's like, I put my heart into this or put some income into this, right? I, I put the capital investment to it, whatever it is that you're contributing to. It's like, oh my goodness, am I, I going to keep going or do I need to pull the plug on this thing? A hundred percent. Yeah. So look, first thing you got to know is there's different ways to build a business, right? You can build a business on your back with bootstrapping. You can build a business off of savings. You can build a business by raising money, either through, you know, debt-based capital, equity-based capital, venture capital. Yep. We did this with $5,000 in credit cards, right? Yeah. So this is all on us. And Scott, when I tell you, the amount of times that we were on the brink of destruction, if I admitted the number of times we were on the brink of destruction, I couldn't even calculate them on a calculator. Yeah. It was just like, it was up and it was down and it was up and it was down. And the joys of agency life or service life is the predictability is so unpredictable. It's not like a SaaS company where you understand your churn metrics and your acquisition metrics, and you can sort of predict what the next few months looks like. You know, maybe you got recurring charges happening on credit cards. We had people that you know would sign hundreds of thousands of dollars of contracts, and then they wouldn't pay. We'd be chasing them, yeah. and you know, like big companies, small companies. We had so many things over the years that like just kicked the living shit out of us, yeah. right? And so, to answer your question, I would say like there, there was just so many up and down moments where we were on the edge of our seat. And I'll be totally candid with you, like I didn't have the stomach for it then. I certainly don't have the stomach for it now. Yeah. Because I think the challenge is, is that I believe that the agency is a young man or woman's game because as you, as you age on and now all the, like I never invest in agencies now, right? All the businesses that I invest in, you know, have marketplace arbitrage opportunities, network effects, limited customization, a number of different things, SaaS companies, product companies, because service companies don't scale because they're based on people. Um, and 
that's a learning that took me 20 years to, uh, to learn. Um, might not have had the stomach so for yeah. it, but you, you did it, right? So you found it somewhere, right, that, that was there, and maybe it is that core, core value of, of belief that was the one that got there. And it's, it's amazing yeah, what that can I happen, mean, right? It's a power of visioning. I mean, we, we, there's a definitely. variety of things within EOS that we talk about. Obviously, the, the power of that vision is, is so critical. you got to know where you're going and how you're going to get there, and, and you guys had that. Which is which is critical, and and just as you hit, you know, we call it hitting the ceiling. We're we're talking about these moments in time where you you hit it, you hit it. You know, it's a period of revolution. Stuff is going on. Like, am I going to make it? Was it the belief that you fell back on? Was it just your partnership with David that you fell back on, or was there something else that you could go and turn to and say, "Yeah, here it comes again. I can see it, but I'm going to go pull out this tool. Let me go pull this out, and I know that we're going to get to that next." place where we get back on that upward trajectory. Was there anything consistently that you knew you could go back to time and again? Yeah. So the first metaphor that comes to mind is like, we've lost the movie Rocky, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rocky had Mick, right? Yeah. And Mick was, was the old guy that would just keep screaming at him to keep going. Um, I think David and I, in a lot of ways, as the underdogs, you know, he grew up, you know, didn't come from money. He was the son of an immigrant. He grew up in Howard Beach, Queens. I grew up in Southern Connecticut, you know, son of a, a union dad who used to be a butcher. Okay. My mom was, yeah. you know, a secretary and a guidance counselor. So like neither of us came from money. So I think what we both had was an underdog spirit, nice. like a will to win. And we were just good at taking punches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you could just punch us. You could kick us. You could knock us down. We would just keep getting up and keep going. So I think that like, I was his Mick a lot of times, um, probably a lot louder and more, more annoying than Mick. Um, and he was definitely mine for sure. So I think the power partnership really on, like, don't get me wrong. There were so many times and still to this day that I just literally want to kill him. Um, and I know that <laughs> I know the beauty that the, of the love between the two of you, right? You can yeah. do that and then move forward. That's the, beauty. we had a friendship, right? Yeah, like absolutely. We, we, you know, we'd work till midnight. We were at the time we were both single guys. We'd work till midnight. We'd get out, we'd go to the bar together you know, we'd get rowdy at the bars together, you know, we'd, we'd sort of blow off the steam as friends. And the next day it was back to business. And I think that that dichotomy that people say don't mix business with pleasure. And I think it's really good advice. But what I will tell you is when you mix business with pleasure, the one thing that you have is a higher tolerance for when shit goes bad, Mm. in my honest opinion, because what it comes down to is not just rapport and trust and all the things that these fancy leadership books behind me talk about, but what it comes down to is like when I really care about you and your well-being and you care about mine, I will do anything to make sure that we don't fail because we're on the same team together. And that to me is the power of teams. And we had that for a number of years in the, in the early onset of the partnership. And I don't think if it, if it wasn't for that friendship, if it wasn't for that, like having each other's back, we would have every one of those twists and turns that we met with, we would have fell down on our face yeah, and we wouldn't have got back up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great thought. And it's, you're saying those words and the word that keeps coming on is just the depth, the depth of the relationship that you've had and, and how you do it. So yeah. it's not even mixing you know, but you've been through some stuff and those scars that you both wear, right? That, that depth is there. And it's now that you can lean, lean on one another for that. It, it's going to let it do that. I think it's very, very powerful, very powerful. Um, question that when I go, you mentioned earlier that the, the concern that you have just around making sure that staying creative, I want to let you use your words there, but I did want to let you talk a little bit about that. Since you mentioned, I know that's a message that you're trying to carry forward and, and really as, as you get your message out there, you want to come back to that. So just, just, we didn't spend a ton of time after you uh, introduced the idea, but just talk to me about where you think we are creatively, creativity today and where we're heading and 
what, you know, where that concern is coming from since you've spent so much of your career in this space? Yeah. So I think it comes from a couple of different places, right? So like right now there's a couple of topics that's ever, that's really ever present on everyone's mind, right? Topics like mental health, topics yep. like AI replacing the human race, topics like all this fear mongering that we see in the news, right? I believe and have always believed that creativity is your greatest competitive advantage. Hands down. What is the number one biggest thing that the most successful companies have in common innovation, right? Innovation can happen without experimentation and creativity and creativity for me is not just about a particular discipline or a particular thing, but being able to be responsive to change and have the ability to, to flex and to move and to ride the vibe and the waves. Right. Okay. So I think when I think about creativity, I look at people who don't feel that they're creative. So here's a fun test I used to do a lot when I was doing a lot more like teaching or mentorship workshops or executive coaching is like, I would ask a client or I would ask a student, do you think of yourself as creative? Yes or no. And it was really surprising and sad to me when I see how people don't typically identify with them being creative. If you ask a group of children, do they think they're creative? They all shoot their hands up, right? <laughs> yeah. The level of curiosity and creativity that we have before the world breaks us is absolutely high, right? If you look at the number of times a child asks a why-based question, before the age of nine, it's giant. After the age of nine, it decays extremely quickly over time. There's a lot of research by folks like the Right Question Institute or different creativity things. And there's a direct correlation between one's ability to remain curious and creative and overall life and job fulfillment and success. So I have this sort of belief that like, if, if we can be more creative, we can stimulate both sides of the brain, the left brain, the right brain. I believe there's the ability to unlock a different level of potential in ourselves and in the missions that we have, whatever walk or talk of life we come from. So where I see that, and I do a lot of that with my clients mm -hmm. is when you can unlock that creativity, you can unlock a competitive advantage. So why is that important, Scott, right? It's important because in a world where everything's being automated, where the robots are not taking over, but certainly taking lots of jobs, I think what we have to do is remember that the ability to be creative is a differentiator. And I'll give you a perfect example, Scott. Yeah. Um, we talk about chat GPT. I'm sure you've used it once or twice, right? Yep, sure have. And like, I look at that and it's like, you sit me down next to most people using that tool. And what they're going to get as output is going to be completely germane and repetitive and boring. I will show you some of my chat GPT responses and they're highly creative and they're highly actionable and valuable. The things I am doing with this tool is next level cool. And that's even before I start getting into the techie stuff, right? right. The custom models, the fine tuning, all the fancy stuff. I'm just talking pound for pound, two people using the exact same thing. The more creative person is going to be able to come out on top in a big way. Yeah. And creativity is not just something that designers like me or strategy people are able to do. Like creativity is accountants, right? When I think about accountants who are really creative with how to look at a spreadsheet or how to ask different questions, creativity comes out in a lot of different walks and talks of life. I think of creativity as two things, connecting the dots and is the, the really simple thing with creativity and problem solving is the separate thing. And I think that when you're able to do that, I think you're stimulating a different, different parts of your brain. You're building new connections. You're learning new things. You're opening up new neural pathways. And that I think adds to the feel good chemicals, yeah. right? The good use of dopamine. Um, and I think all those things ultimately lead to us leaving, living happier, better, more fulfilled lives. And I've seen that firsthand with, you know, with kids. I've seen that firsthand with, um, with students, with executives, right. you know, and just when that light bulb goes off in their head, 
I've watched how it's changed people's lives. So for me, what I like to do is, is really help to unlock the next best version of someone's self that might be hiding behind some of the bureaucracy, some of the red tape, some of the things that are blocking them. And ultimately, like you talk in EOS, right, in the entrepreneurial operating system, talk a lot about it's not what but who, right? Absolutely. Who's the butt yeah. in the seat? Well, when I, whatever butts I put in, whatever seats, they all have to be creative. It's table stakes for me because Beautiful. Yeah. that, I believe, is going to unlock a lot. So I hope that answers the question. No, it does, and it's great. And I, I actually, you mentioned the word creative, but you also went with the curiosity element of this. And that's what's intriguing to me, and it's... It, it, it sort of shows up in, in a couple different things just, just for me personally. It, it's, it's this willingness to continue to learn. So we refer to our business and what we do, and it's a journey to mastery. But how do you do that? Well, you ask why. And um, one, of my, one of my peers has been doing this for a while, signs every one of his notes as stay curious. Like just keep learning, keep asking, keep yeah. reading, go explore something different than you've, than you've done before. Like it's, that's how you can be creative within your own self, even if you're not, creative, like I'm going to go paint a picture, right? What maybe someone thinks of just a, a more, you know, basic level of creativity, but that, that curiosity can, can get you the same thing. And as you said, stimulate that brain in a different way. And I've just, I've been, I've been doing more and more of that in the last year and it, it just made it just a ton of difference for me. And just the way that I approach things, the way I think about things, it's been I love that. Valuable. So yeah, it's, uh, that's awesome. I'm glad yeah. that's working out for you. No, it's great. And I, I, I don't take credit for it. I'm, I'm trying to watch, learn, and listen from others. And so I don't pretend to, to have any of those answers all the way through, but uh, I think by observing others and, and seeing how they're handling their, themselves, their business, their growth is a, is a great way for me to at least model it and try to figure out how it works best for me. So, Amen. Yeah, well, I love but, that. I think yeah. unlearning is something we didn't talk about that is really important too, Scott, which is like, I think that we grow up, we become adults, we start to operate in and live in a world that is pretty programmed, right? It's pretty syndicated to work a certain way. Um, this is what makes for a format of a good story or a bad story. This is how we do this thing. This is the steps we take to achieve this result. And I think what ends up happening is we end up getting ourselves into these situations where certainly the, the shortest point between A and B is, is a straight line, right? Okay. But in some cases, that straight line, I think, can get really boring. And I also think that that the idea of once we've learned something – we have a deep set of biases and um, blind spots by doing that. And I think the ability to unlearn things unlocks a, a, a ton of different things. And nice. yeah. I can give you a, a number of very specific business examples if they're helpful, but I think that being able to apply some of these different thinking frameworks from a creative lens can help you get to a different set of solutions that ultimately is a different set of possibilities that weren't present when you did things the way that you've always done them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really either asking the questions of yourself or having an accountability partner, or in your case, a co-founder that, that you can ask those questions of one another. Or, but having that dialogue is, is so critical to that sort of you know, commonly, like just looking at it from a different direction. You can, you can take a different angle. There's a, a bunch of turns of phrase that we can use there, but, but also just don't get trapped in the things you've been doing that all, all along the way, right? That if you go out and enact a different future, you're going to have to take some different turns to, to make that happen. So Amen. Really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, one last question for you, then we'll go through our, our, our fast five questions. Um, what's next? What's on your brain next? Where, where do you head next? Where does your attention go to here in the next uh, couple of years? So I am currently building a new stealth startup that um, I'll share a little bit about today. Okay. So in that belief that creativity and curiosity are broken, in the fact that we live in a world today where 
algorithms drive the decisions we make. And some of these new tools that are coming out, these AIs that are coming out are changing the way that we make things and changing the way that we solve problems. I believe that things like ChatGPT are bigger than the internet. They're bigger than the calculator in some ways. And I think that these are cues as to what the future society is going to look like. So for me, this new style startup that I'm working on is how do we help every person have the same capabilities that Tony Stark and Iron Man have with, <laughs> with his AI. I love it. Right? I love it. And so, so that's what's next for me right now is I'm thinking about how can AI and technology be a creative sparring partner, a not a replacement, but an augmentation that makes us all smarter, better, faster, but more importantly, not just smarter, better, faster, not just filling our calendars with more things to make us more productive, productive, productive. But I asked the question, what if these tools, what if these platforms, what if these ways of doing things could also make us happier? What if these ways of doing things could give us more time to spend with our families, to give us more time to spend with our friends? And what if instead of filling our calendar, what if we traded yeah. traded money for time instead of time for money? Yeah. And that's got me thinking a lot about where we can go. I started to... I've been chronicling this and writing about this. I read a, a free kind of biweekly newsletter um, that I, I put out on my website, and I'm chronicling this. And I've basically, for the past few months, been just automating different parts of my life. And I've been writing about that. And um, some of that's turning into softwares and solutions and systems. And um, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me saying, hey, can you like package this up? Can you make a course about this? Can you do this? And I don't really see myself as an educator. I, I feel like while I do edu- a lot of education, I, I think the teachers, those who can't do, teach. And yeah. I think for me, I still got a lot of doing to still do. Doing. So on that note, that's kind of what I'm up to next nice. is like, how can humans and, and AIs collaborate in a way to achieve things faster in a better way? So that's something I'm working on. I'll be, I'll be sharing more about that soon, but I can't share too much just yet. But that's what's next for me. Beautiful. Well, well ending where we started, serial entrepreneur had to be another venture of some sort, right? You can't, you can't turn it off at this point in time. So you Pete, definitely can't turn it off. Turn it's, off. Um, it's the ADHD in me for sure. And, <laughs> it's there. and the idea of like anything linear, like, you know, going to get a classic nine to five job at this point, I just, I feel like I'm unhirable. Yeah. I think, I think that I would, I would agree that it's not, even, not unhirable so much as it's just, that's not going to be fulfilling for you. It's not going to satisfy who you are, what you need. So, uh, totally. know, know thyself in that case, right. And, and know it well. All right, let's go through our, our rapid fire questions here. Just a few questions for you. Let everyone get to know you a little bit. Then we'll get you a chance to, uh, to share how people can find you. Um, so Yukon Husky, but I always ask this question without prejudging it. Do you have a favorite sports team that you follow? No, not, not, not even with the dominance of the Huskies basketball team that still doesn't get you going here. They've had a nice run at, at, at UConn. So when you start your career the way I started my career, um, two things you got to know about me. One, I'm an introverted geek, so sports is not my thing, not except for like snowboarding and stuff yep. like that, which I don't do anymore. <laughs> um, and two is when you work in sports marketing, you get sick of sports pretty quick. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's, uh, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and say that at least you have some affiliation with our basketball national champions. So we'll oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, I love the fact that, you know, definitely UConn Huskies for sure. But well, Little Stores yeah. Connecticut producing championships is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool Amen. store. Yep. Um, last meal, what would you eat for your last meal? It would probably be tacos. 
my favorite as well. So we, we are aligned on there. We are aligned on that. Uh, dream vacation spot. Hmm. Um, I'd say Hawaii, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's where um, my wife and I went on our honeymoon. It's a very near and dear place to our hearts. So nice. I'd say Hawaii. Beautiful. Beautiful. Do you have a favorite movie, TV show thing that you've streamed or something that maybe you, it's rewatchable for you that you always go back to? I am so glad that we moved to digital when it comes to movies because I will say the number of times I've watched the original Matrix movie, yeah. if I was watching it on DVD or VHS or another older medium, it would be broke. Worn out. Um, so thank God I can just play it in unlimited times. Definitely the Matrix, the first one. And yeah. there are only three Matrix movies. That's right. That last, you're not, we're not getting the last one. I will, I will tell you that I'm old enough that my kids started on VHS tapes, and we burned through a couple of VHS tapes of some Disney movies along the way. So Bugs Life was a favorite <laughs> in our household, and we burned through two copies of that puppy um, along the way. So it was, right it was a family. Um, piece of advice, favorite quote, something that you'd like to share? Um... I have like five. <laughs> Anyone you want to settle in on or you, it, it's okay to pass. We don't hold people responsible. Just a chance. Whether you, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Great one. That's great. Great advice. Pete, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate your taking time out of your day to, to spend some time with us. And uh, it was great to get to know you more. And I think you had some incredible lessons to, to share with the audience and uh, really do value uh, all that you shared and the time that you spent. So thank you so much for joining the podcast. My pleasure. It's been great to be here, Scott. Pete, how can folks find you? mentioned a newsletter. You've got a website. Uh, you've got your own podcast. Anything you'd like to, to share so people can find you? Yeah. So I'm Pete Senna on most platforms. I, if you're into reading words, I'd say check out my newsletter. It's on PeteSenna.com or check me out on Medium, which is also Pete Senna. If you're into videos, check us out on Forward Obsessed. Forward Obsessed is a podcast that my co-founder and I started where we interview breakthrough business leaders that have started and exited companies. And some of them have built billion dollar companies, IPO companies, et cetera. So forwardobsessed.com is nice. where you can get all that stuff and tune in on whatever video based or audio based platform you want. Um, if you're interested in learning more about how branding can transform a business and its growth, um, and you want to grow your damn business to, as the name of this show, uh, check out digitalsurgeons.com and uh, you can read a lot about that there. And, those are the places that I can be found. Fantastic. Really appreciate it. Pete, thanks again for your time. Thanks for joining the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. It's great having you. Have a great afternoon. You too. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. This podcast is a production of Old Soul. Old Soul is a one-stop marketing agency that builds podcasts for personal brands and businesses. If you're interested in starting your own podcast show, shoot them an email at info at aoldsoul.com. That's info at aoldsoul.com. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast.